You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. Good morning. How's life going? It is a, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is a pleasure to be here with you on this morning, and uh, I do see it as a privilege that God has allowed me once again to grace you all with his word. Uh, and, and prayerfully, his presence. So with that being said, I, I'd like to just ask a couple of questions and then we could uh, get into today's uh, message. I wonder how many of us today are enjoying peace. But how many of us can say that today is a good day because I am experiencing the peace that God has provided me today. I wonder how many of us can even say that if we knew that tomorrow, that we would lose our job, lose our source of income, or our health would go bad. I wonder how many of us would still have this peace uh, that God is willing to provide all day long. I don't know about you, but what I do know about me is that this idea of peace with me, it, it, it fluctuates. It goes up and down. Uh, that I cannot, that I can sit here and say that Probably for a good day or two, I've, I haven't really truly experienced the peace of God that God offers to me at all times. And then man, there is this, there is this pseudo peace, this, this fake peace that, that the world offers that I think at times I've settled for. And not the peace that God himself desires to give me. And so today, I want to unfold for us this idea of peace, what it is, and where, it, where does it come from? How is it demonstrated in the Bible? And can we, as mere men, really have and possess the peace of God? I mean, that's, that by itself blows my mind, that, that I can actually have, possess, own, use, carry with me and display the peace of God. So let me unfold to you first what peace is. Then we'll get into uh, 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 peace demonstrated, uh, that, in, that in our Lord and Savior. So let me... Uh, uh, suggest these things will be up uh, for your reading on, on the uh, screen. First of all, in defining peace, I want to say what peace, what, 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 what this peace or this peace of God is not. The idea of this peace of God is, it, it is not the, the equivalent of peace with God. I do say that it, it is impossible for you to have peace of God and not have peace with God. The Bible says clear in Isaiah that, that, that there is no peace for the wicked. 
Think about that. The people who don't know God through Christ cannot experience peace. Now, there's a truth, or they've been deceived, but people outside of God in Christ, they can never know and experience this peace that we as sons and daughters of God have access to all day long. So, but, but, but for us, this, this peace, it came at a cost. Uh, Paul in the book of Colossians says that God, he made peace through the shed blood of, of Christ on his cross. That, that God says, I'm going to provide peace but, but, but in a different way, I'm going to send my son to down a cross to shed his blood that you might be reconciled to me, that we might have peace. Because the Bible does say that before we knew Christ, we were enemies of God. That we were hell-bent, desiring sin and hell, but God in his grace reached down and made peace with us in Christ. The writer of Romans says this, that we've been, that, 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 that it's because we've been justified in faith, we now have peace with God. As a Christian, as a child of God, you never have to worry about working to be at peace with God. Christ has made it possible for us all. My next point is this, peace is not the absence of suffering. It's amazing to me how there are some pseudo or different gospels that preach a different Jesus that say that, 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 you, that the once you trust in God, you don't have to worry about suffering. Somebody has misled them or misguided them. As a matter of fact, Christ says in John 16, 33, he says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations. Paul says that if you desire to live godly, you will suffer persecution. Peter says that we're called to suffering. As a child of God, that's your calling. But somehow, way, in the midst of suffering, God can provide you peace. It's amazing. Or it should be how when the world receives bad news and when a saint receives bad news, we can it all joy. Why? Because the peace is not found in the bad news the world promotes. It's found in the good news we believe in in Jesus Christ. So even when you give us a pink slip, ah, we are cool with that. Because we trust God in this. I'm at peace with him. So I know that my God, my good father, he has me. Peace. It's not the absence of suffering. It is not the absence of sickness and bad health. It is not that. It is not. 
So maybe you ask me, well, man, okay, so you've told us what, what it is. Now tell us what it is. And I'm so glad you asked that question. Because I'm here to answer that for you this morning. The Bible, when you look at peace, this idea of peace, man, this is, I, I guess the best word that sums it up is this word in the Old Testament called shalom. Shalom. In Judges 6, 24, he's called the Lord of shalom. He's the God of peace. This idea of shalom, if you trace it back to its roots, it actually means this, the way things ought to be. This word shalom, this idea of the word, it, it, it is actually the way things are supposed to be. One noted author and scholar says this, that when we experience this Shalom, for a moment, for a season, we're placed in Genesis 1 and 2. Think about that. That when God gives us this idea of shalom, it's, it, it has its makeup found in the world before sin entered in. Think about that. He connects it with Revelations 21 and 22 that when God has raptured his church, his bride, and how we will then experience peace then. Think about this. That whenever we experience the peace, this, this peace that the Bible defines and describes, he says, I've allowed you to experience things the way they ought to be. Have you ever experienced things the way they ought to be? It is the absence of sin. In a sense, it is the absence of sin that God here on earth, while we're saved, he allows us every once in a while to experience his presence and his power where sin is not present. That blows my cock out of mind. Think about it. And my mind is cockeyed. I, I, I promise it is. But there's this peace that he gives to all of us that says, let me show you how it's going to be when you're with me. But because we're in this world and we still have this sin nature, we don't always experience it. We don't. We don't always experience it. As a matter of fact, I want to say that, man, that, that if we worry, it's a sin. That if we are anxious for anything, we are sinning against God. I think that most saints have made light of this. But my friend, noted author, pastor, and scholar, John MacArthur, will help us on this. It'll be on the screen. Someone might say, why make a big deal out of worry? It's just a trivial sin. No, he says, it is not. I suspect a majority of mental illnesses and some physical illnesses are directly related to worry. Many cases of drunkenness and drug addiction are symptomatic of worry. 
And because of worry, many make foolish life decisions and carrying painful consequences. Worry is devastating, but more important than that, worry does to you, or worry does to you is what you are communicating. What worry does to you is what you are communicating about God. And here it is. When you worry, you are saying, in effect, God, I just don't think I can trust you. Worry, it strikes a blow at the person and character of God. <laughs> Ouch. Because if we all be real with ourselves, we all have the tendency every once in a while and for some long seasons, in short or short, to worry. And my prayer is that after tonight, or after this morning, that you might experience more this peace of God than the worry found in men and even sons and daughters of God. So let me, so, so let me say this also, just practically, because this here also, it, it, it kind of rocked my world some. That when I'm not at peace, there's, how does that work out practically in my life? Another meaning or definition of peace is this. It is the absence of agitation or discord. Mm. How many of you are agitated at someone? Or are you experiencing discord with someone, if not someone, even perhaps with God. Upset at God. Why? Or maybe it's this. Or peace is this. It's a state of calmness or calm without anxiety or stress. Man, wouldn't life be merry if we could experience more of this and less of the other? And y'all, here is the good news that we have found out later on. We have possession of this in Christ. You can experience for moments, and sometimes moments that are elongated, seasons of peace where there is no agitation, no discord, no stress, no... Imagine life like I want it now, and I want to experience more of it. And I can't wait till I experience it for eternity when I see God one day face to face. So let's, let's talk about this. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read through it quickly, get to where I have to get so that we can ask, how is this peace developed? What, what do we have to do to, to access, to... to, uh, uh, man, uh, 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 to to ready our minds and hearts to have this kind of peace. Well, uh, prior to that, let's look at uh, 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 Mark 4, verse 35. Now, up to this point, the disciples have experienced Christ at his finest moments. They've seen him heal many that were sick. Peter and 
chapter 1, saw, he, saw him heal his, his own mother-in-law. But y'all, it's amazing that Peter prayed that Christ would heal his mother-in-law. Amen. That's, that's, that's amazing, amen. That's amazing. Go Peter, amen. So they've seen him do a lot up until this point. And in Mark chapter 4, he's going to, he, he's, man, you got the greatest teacher of all teaching them things about the gospel. And now he gets to where now it's time to test what you've seen and what you've heard. Mark 4, 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm, the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now stop. Okay, you, I've seen you do all these miracles. I've seen you hit all these people, and you tell us that we're going to go to the other side, but what you left out was that there'll be a storm going there. Not just a storm, but a great storm. A storm that, that as such, the water was getting into the ship, beating and tossing it back and forth. And Christ, he knew all of this. This did not surprise him. But I wonder did the disciples lean on what he said. Let's go to the other side. Hey, we're going to the other side. We're not going to stop, Mitch. I promise you, we're going to the other side. Well, but I'm going with you. I'm not sending you. I'm going. Let us go. Disciples, homies, can you get it? He tells you we're going. He's with you. Chill out. Chill out. He's done. Hey, the man that you've seen in all this, these miracles and healings, he's on the ship with you. Calm down, homies. Calm down. So while this storm is going on up front, I'm, I'm pretty sure... And the whole boat, the Bible describes Christ as in the stern, in the back of the ship. <laughs> now, a storm is going on. Winds and waves and water in the boat. And the Bible says that Christ was on, was in the stern and the back of a ship, sleep on a cushion. Can you imagine this? Can you see this? He's, if he's me, he's also snoring. <laughs> Loudly. And so they go through all this and Christ is knocked out. A different word for sleep is like dead. He's in a coma, y'all. He's knocked out. He's not experiencing any of what they're experiencing in front of the ship. I wonder why. 
I wonder why. Why is why are we reacting this way and you're asleep? And it asks, look at the look at the, look at the response. Batman, y'all. <laughs> 38, but he was in a stern, asleep on the cushion. Here the King James says on the pillow. That's better than me, a pillow. And they woke him up, and now, listen, oh, you've got the audacity to wake up the Savior of the world through this storm? Have y'all forgotten who I am? Why are you disturbing me in my precious sleep? It couldn't have been me. My response would have been a little bit different than his. And he says, and they woke him, said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are dying? We're dying up here and you sleep. Do you not, are you concerned about your boys? Remember, you called us. Remember that? We were minding our own business and you came to us. And now you on a ship sleep in the storm that we're saying it's about to kill us. I probably had the same reaction. No. No, 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 no. Not that I thought I would have the same reaction as the disciples. Now, maybe you are super spiritual and you would be sleep still. Maybe you'd be like Christ, sleep. But if water is getting on me in a ship, well, I'm knocked out. And the rays are wrapped I'm not, the last thing on my mind is sleep. Where's safety at? Christ safe in the sovereign hand of God. He knows that wherever my father has told me to take them, that's where we're going. Because not only is my God sovereign, but also his hand is good towards me. And there's never a moment that God disconnects this. Because he does not have a sinful nature, he's unable to respond like them. He continuously trusts in God. There's never a moment in 33 and a half years where Christ himself stopped trusting God. So because of his continual trust in God, he always had the peace of God. Always had it. Never interrupted like you and I who have God in us, but also a sinful nature in us. So there are times when we trip, and there are times when, when we don't trip. But oftentimes, if this is us, we're tripping. I know I would be. And so he, he goes on to say, and he awoke, and, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, chill out, wind, be still. And the wind ceased. And that was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? This is me. I'm God in the flesh. I told you that. You know that. I, the ability that I have, but not just me, but the ability I use because my father has gave me the ability to use it in this sense, I can demonstrate it to you. Hey, I told y'all in verse 35, 
we were going over to the other side. He said, so why are you so afraid? Have you still, watch this, no faith? No. If they would have had just a mustard seed of faith, their reaction would have been different. Just a mustard seed. Because listen, it's not the size of the faith you have, it's who is the size of the faith you have faith in. And your faith may be small, but your God is really big. And all you need is just a small ounce of faith, and God will calm you down. He's a big God that operates with people who have small faith. And out of small faith, he grants our requests. What a mighty God we serve. Yeah. Maybe it says, man, nice story. I understand. But is it possible for me, you, a son and daughter, to have this type of faith? And I'm going to tell you it is. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. How is this peace that, that Christ had in his ship, on a pillow, chips, knocked out, deep in his sleep? How do we have that when we're going through? Now, we may not go through storms, but how many of us can attest to we do go through suffering? that we do have trials, that we do have conflict, and we do every once in a while experience chaos in a world that is lost and dark and gloomy in need of a savior. Is it possible for me to have peace like that? Yes, it is. On your worst day, When it's dark and down, you can experience Genesis 1 and 2. God, in his grace and mercy, can allow you to experience things like they ought to be. That's just great news to a saint or a child of God that's suffering at this moment. You, we can experience things the way they ought to be. Philippians 4, 6, 7. How do we develop this peace? It says here to be anxious, uh, to be, uh, do not be anxious for, come on y'all. It says some things, hard things. It says, don't be anxious for what? Anything. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. He said that as a child of God, you are not to be worried or concerned about anything. 
And when we do, that's sin. That's sin. Let's call it like it is. Sin. Because if the Bible tells us not to do it, and we do it, to him, that's sin. There are a lot of sinners in this regard in the house. Now, who in here does not worry? Raise your hand. Look around. We all do. So we all, in this case, need Jesus, don't we? Now, 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 now one guy had this to say about worrying. Worry prefers self-protection over trust. It can hear many encouraging words, even God's word, and stay unmoved. Worry can be life-dominating. It is connected to your money and desires in that it reveals the things that are valuable to you. It is any concern at all which is short of full confidence in God. It can reveal that you love something more than Jesus. It crowds Jesus out of your life. Who in the house has experienced this? I know I have. When my current and concern for something or someone else, it outweighed the weight of God in my life. And I turned that something or someone else into an idol. Rather than trusting in God. And if we want to be real with ourselves, if you are worrying, can I say that you are a very arrogant person? That people who carry around stuff they're not meant to build is prideful. That when you worry, you're saying, God, I got this, not you. That, 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 that when I worry about anything, I, me, I am at that point a prideful individual. Peter would say the same thing. First Peter 5. Now, now, we always read verse 7, and verse 7 is a very comforting verse. But let's start today with verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you. Here it is. Keep on casting all your concerns on me. Why? I am concerned about you. When we don't cast our concerns on God, we hold them because we're prideful. He says, if you humble yourself, cast them. I got you. But the problem is, what hold on? Who, like myself in my right mind, wants to carry stuff I'm not meant to carry? He said, humble yourself, son. Humble yourself. Cast them, throw them to me. Why? I love you. You're not meant to carry it. Give it to me. Stop worrying. I got you. Son, I saved you. When you desire to, to go to hell, you trust me with your soul, but not with your life? What is that, son? You 
put eternity in my hands. But you can't trust me with, with corporeal stuff. Are you serious? Son, it's just stuff. They're just people. Cast it to me. Let me give you the greatest motive, son. I love you. And I do not want my children walking around with stuff they shouldn't carry. Stop worrying. Cast. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it's from. But he's told me if you are his child today, give it to him. Don't lay it down. Because like me, we'll pick it up. Throw it as far east as it's west. Because I love you. If we want this kind of peace, we have to stop worrying. Stop. Just stop. Just stop. I got you. Hey, your good father has you. I promise you he does. Spoon, stop worrying. Number two, or the next thing is in this text is, he says, uh, start praying. Now, this word prayer uh, in this text it has a different meaning than what we assume that's there. This word actually means uh, th- there is a a a worshipful uh, a, there is a worshipful heart and affection for God. But watch this: it's unable to have that in praying if you're still worrying. Because he loves you, whenever I fall on my knees, lay in my bed, I'm in a car, whatever means or mode you use for prayer. He says, can we make sure that you cast whatever is concerning you far away from you? And then approach me. But in this form of prayer, he says, don't ask me for anything yet. Just focus on on who I am. Before you start asking, start praising me for, for who I am. And I know us, man, when, when, when we wear it, we have the tendency to ask, 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 rather than reverence, reverence, and reverence who he is. I'm saying that when you start praying, Christ gave us the model, our Father, who are in heaven, how to be your, hey, before he asked him for anything, he registered him for who he is and who he was. How often when you pray, do you pause and just thank him for, for being faithful? Thank him for being a savior. Thank him for being good and gracious. How many times do we start there? But you can't start there as you come down worrying about this or that. Stop, throw it, and let's talk. I need you in this moment, at this time, to start bragging on me. Tell me how good I am. Tell me what I've done. Tell me, so. will you please just brag on your daddy, son? Please. 
Watch this. When that happens, if you draw near to him, not what he has, but to him, he'll draw near to you. When, you're, when you are bragging on God, it stirs his heart. And in that, he might just do the same for you. That you might just start weeping, smiling, laughing, because you're seeing who God is in the midst of praying. When the last time you, you buried on God while praying? He says, don't worry about anything, but with prayer, with thanksgiving, can you please just not stop at saying who I am and start praising me for who I am? So here's, I'm going to acknowledge who you are and praise you for who you are in the midst of prayer, praying. But then he says, no, after you got through, done with that, now say whatever you want to say. <laughs> Whatever's on your good heart, just say it. Make your, make your request made known to God. But it says, with thanksgiving. Ah, there it is. There's the caveat there. He says that when you start making your, your request, semi-complaints, start praising me. You're telling me about that bad boss, but, but now... Thank me for that bad boss. You tell me how bad your marriage is. Now, tell me how good I am in the midst of your marriage. Tell me, bang on me, son. Listen to me. The lack of ungratefulness is a starting point to idolatry. Read Romans 1. Because they did not thank God and praise God for who God is, they worship his creation and not him. How many ungrateful kids does he have? He says, hey, don't worry. Start praying with, with Thanksgiving. He said, then make a request with Thanksgiving. When you're done complaining, now thank me. Listen, Paul is in prison writing this letter. The man knows what he's talking about. He's in prison, chained to guards in fetus. And you can pin this, Paul? Yeah, because what I'm experiencing now, I can't even explain. But I can tell you here's what I've done. I've stopped worrying. I've started praying. And I made my request made known to God. And somehow it said, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and mind. Here it is, in Christ Jesus. This union with Christ is important, saints. It's critical. If you're going to relax and enjoy what God has done for you in Jesus, well, I got two minutes. I'm done. <laughs> and Acts chapter 12. <clears throat> we see a guy who gets it. 
in Mark chapter 4, Christ questions and calls out his disciples. You of no faith. And Peter is there with him. In Acts chapter 12, we see, we hear the story of Peter is in prison, chained to guards, waiting crucifixion or a lynching the next day. Peter, big mouth Peter, excuse me, big mouth Peter, is chained to two guards, waiting a lynching, a trial and execution the, the next day after Passover. And the Holy Spirit, through the author of Luke, makes something known to us. Look what it says here in, in verse 6 or 12. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very day, that very night, Peter, here he is, <laughs> Peter, y'all, was asleep. <laughs> Not resting in God, waiting the next day, crucifixion, about to be killed for Christ. And Peter, the Bible says, he's knocked out, sleep. So much to the point that the angel had to strike him. Peter, my friend, was in a coma, y'all. Knocked, slap out, gone. The angel struck him. Peter, get up! Is it a vision? The Bible says that Peter thought it was a vision, y'all. He was sleeping so good. He got it. Peter got it. When facing suffering, trials, and or persecution, why not get some sleep? Because the Bible says he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. You never have to worry about God on you, those and all. He does not slumber, nor does he sleep. The Bible says, here it is, it is vain for you to rise up early and to stay up late eating the toys of anxious bread. Because he, God, he gives his beloved sleep. Listen, it's not going, well, yeah, you, we all suffering you all, hey, we all are. But when's the last time you got a good night's sleep? Not because of appeal, but because of Jesus. He's able to bless you, the Bible says, even in your sleep. Sister and brother, get some sleep. Get some shut up. Snow if you have to. I do. But get some sleep. Because he gives to his beloved. Sleep, the psalmist said, is sweet and it's peaceful sleep. Get some sleep. We ask it in his son's name. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we thank you for who you are, 
for your steadfast love towards us, for your faithfulness towards us, your goodness towards us. God, you are just an awesome and gracious God. And I, and, and I would say we haven't said thank you enough. So God, right now, at this time, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a God who knows all, who's in all, but yet who sustains your children. We, we thank you that you are a refuge for us, that we can sleep. Because you who keeps Israel, you who keeps now your church does not slumber or sleep. But you're up constantly having us as the apple of your eye. That each child that belongs to you is the apple of your eye. And we thank you, Father, for that. So God, we thank God. We want to just ask God that no, no, God. I want to give just a few moments, if there's any requests, but first I want us to cast any, any, any cares, any concerns that we have coming to God. Let's cast them. Let's cast them. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. Why? He loves you. He's concerned for you. Cast your cares. Reverence his being, his name. Give thanks to him. And now, make a request. And our prayer is this, that the peace of God, the shalom of God, will bring and make things the way they ought to in your life. We ask all of this and that precious Savior, King and Lord, Jesus. We ask it in your name. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.